Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Deepak Dutt, uh, founder and CEO of Zigra.com, Z-I-G-H-R-A. How are you doing, Deepak? Good. How are you, Richard? Thank you for having me today. Yeah, no problem. So tell people, um, what does Zigra do? It looks pretty intriguing. So Zigra plays in a space called um, uh, AI-powered continuous authentication. Um, and uh, we kind of started off with the vision of making uh, security invisible, right? So uh, what we do is bring together technologies like artificial intelligence, behavioral biometrics, and sensor analytics uh, to uh, essentially provide seamless security and to answer the question, who is a specific uh, user behind a, a device or a transaction? So it's continuous security. So, um, you know, what's an example? I'm using, you know, my smartphone and Absolutely. someone steals it um, and I can't lock it out. How sure. would your security help me, for instance? Absolutely. So, so in, the, in the case of a, a smartphone or your uh, laptop or whatever that is, what we do is we create a cognitive signature for the user based on their habits and interaction patterns, um, in, including the way they, you know, for, on, on a smartphone, how do they hold the phones, angle they hold it, the pressure they apply on the touchscreen, but also can be a bit more continuous in the fashion, uh, for example, the way you walk or the way you drive, right? So based on all the sensors available on these devices, uh, we create a unique signature and use that for continuous authentication. Um, and when, what we mean by continuous authentication is it's always active, if you want it, while you're using the application or while you're using the device, per se. And uh, uh, that provides that, you know, that continuum of security, even between login and logout. So, okay. Um, you know, I hear about some of the factors that go into the security, but how do you prevent the security system from being too sensitive? And if I do something different, not locking me out of my own phone or my own laptop, or is it just something that I activate when I think that my stuff's been stolen? Right. So, so what we look at is a change in behavior, right? So once we create that unique signature and having captured all those different nuances in your behavior, um, we still uh, detect an anomaly. What we do is instead of shutting the user down, um, or the device down, we help step up authentication, right? That means we bring friction back into the uh, the authentication or the security process. That means um, it could either be a push notification coming to the user's device and asking them to, uh, you know, um, uh, going through a biometric authentication mechanism or whatever backup mechanism is appropriate to make sure that the real user has uh, got access to their device, if you may. 
Okay, so it's all right. So it's not going to hurt me while I'm using the device. And, and, exactly, okay. exactly. So think about it like giving you a much more convenient way of uh, uh, recognizing yourself uh, and authenticating, keeping you authenticated, so you don't have to go through this friction all the time. But only when we suspect something is a bit off, then instead of blocking you, we just step it up and uh, make sure that it's you, and then let you continue with your life. Well, does this so? Uh, do you have this deployed yet, or is this still a concept? You know, how many users are using this uh, this security absolutely, system right absolutely. now? Yes, so we work primarily with uh, the larger enterprises, from uh, you know uh, financial institutions to um, to to uh, uh, mobile commerce companies, mobile wallet companies, payment companies. We we've, we've even tested this out with a wide user base um, on the Play Store a couple of years ago. We ran a large experiment with around twenty five thousand users. Um, uh, across 70 countries on 700 different device types, right? So we gathered around 6 billion data points. And uh, what we found out is that each and every one of us has a pattern, a way of interacting with our devices and such. That's very unique, you know, as unique as the way we kind of hold our phone, I mean, uh, as unique as our DNA and such, right? Or the muscle memory associated with our golf swings, tennis swings, and things like that, right? And that's how we kind of um, really... Uh, Played it across, you know, multitudes of geographies, and came up with our uh, our thesis, if you may. Right, um, and this technology has been patented, so we've put together, put together around 14 patent applications, a couple of which uh, have been uh, granted, um, and, and the rest are in the process of kind of being granted. So uh, we researched this over the last eight years in uh, in uh, a collaboration with uh, the University of Waterloo and Carlton University in uh, Canada, some of the top. Uh, engineering schools here. So it, it, it's been researched over several years and has deep science behind it. Okay. Um, how long does it take for you to build a profile of someone once they start using a device? Sure. Uh, we, you know, as soon as they start using the device, we start creating these fingerprints right away. And, um, and from a behavioral perspective, that means uh, the way you interact and such, we take around 15 interactions. That means uh, on a mobile banking application, for example, once the user has used the application for around four to five times, we've already created that uh, behavioral signature for them, right? And then we can use that constantly for um, continuously keeping them safe. Okay. Um, any problems where someone does get locked out of a device or, you know, like, what's it like when I use Zegra? So I install it on my phone, let's sure. say, what do I Absolutely. see and then uh, what do I experience in using it? Right. From an end user's perspective, everything has to be seamless. Now, this goes back to our original vision of making security invisible. So let's say in the case of a mobile banking application or a mobile payment application, the user continues their experience on the app without any kind of disruption from Zigref technology. What we do is we stay behind the scenes and we learn. And once we have learned, we help increase the customer experience. Uh, that means if they're, you know, um, getting too much friction by having to enter their pins and passwords and biometrics all the time, using our technology, um, all that friction should now go away at least 90% of the time, right? And 10% of the time when, they're, uh, when you have an anomaly or your behavior changes or, yeah, let's say, um, yeah, you're, you're, for example, you break your thumb or something, unfortunately. But again, when those kind of things happen, that's when friction comes back in and then step up authentication happens. Um, worse come worse, um, if all the signals are off, somebody, you know, your transaction could be blocked and the bank could give you a call and resolve the problem, right? So those are the, all the step-up mechanisms that can kick in uh, once our technology uh, sees all these different anomalies that happen. 
are there different levels of um, <clears throat> of sensitivity? You know, what if um, I'm not someone that has a uh, you know a real set in my ways type of person, and my pattern changes? Right. Can you set the sensitivity so that the the system won't you know bug me a lot? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so what we've seen from our test so far, right? The, the user acceptance rate is very high. Now, when we combine this with uh, six layers that kind of form our, uh, our you know, our patented technology, is taking a look at you know the device intelligence, the network intelligence, the sensor intelligence, uh, the location intelligence. So when we bring on all these different layers in, we are able to get a very high score. So we know, okay, this is the real user. It's in in the in, in the same kind of device fingerprinting or network fingerprinting area that they're normally used to, and that way we can help elevate the 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 um, the the, uh, the level of authentication, so uh, the number of false positives are kept very low. Okay, well, very good. Um, so, how long has this been deployed? How many users would you guess that you have using it? And what any feedback you're getting that's unusual or things that are surprising Absolutely. you about usage of it? Uh, I think we've been getting very good feedback. Even when we started off in the uh, you know in a consumer application, um, uh, the the, the, the uh, I think our review rates were over four you know four point one. Um, and uh, so far, because it's been a very passive uh, kind of technology, from a user perspective, um, you know, they don't know this kind of exists to give them this continuous protection, if you may. From our customer's perspective, uh, this has helped reduce their false positives by uh, uh, at least 55%. That's the kind of feedback that we've been kind of getting. And also help increase their fraud uh, detection rates uh, by several percentages, by right? talking between uh, 50 to 60 percent kind of thing, right? So those are the kind of tricks that we see um, that help uh, us, you know, uh, help our customers and also help protect our end users. So again, what are, I don't know, I know you don't want to reveal your secret sauce. But what are some of the factors that go into creating a, a fingerprint or a pattern of someone? Sure. You ran through them really quick, but you know, what are some Absolutely. of the things that people do that that tends to be uh, habitual? Absolutely. Absolutely. So from a, from a behavioral perspective, um, it, it could be the way you hold your phone, so the pitch and the yawn and the roll with which you kind of use your devices. Um, it could be the pressure that you apply on the touchscreen as you kind of go from screen to screen. Uh, it could be the way you walk, right? Essentially, your gait, the way you walk, the way you sit, right? on, on, you know, what, what's your habitual way of kind of sitting um, and, and such. Um, or if you're, you know, for, for example, you know, driving a car, then if you kind of keep it open up at that time, then we can figure out your driving patterns. The way, how, how often do you brake? How often do you accelerate and such? So depending on the, the, the use scenarios, we use uh, around uh, uh, 700 different features that we kind of pull in, uh, data points, if you may. And from those, there are 100 that essentially give us the, the uniqueness of saying, yes, this is the real user based on their habits, and this forms the core of their um, interaction patterns. Now, as I said, that, that's just the behavioral piece, and now when we add all these different uh, layers from a, a device fingerprinting uh, and a network fingerprinting, what we mean by that is um, we take a look at is, is it you know device jailbroken? Is it rooted? Is it is it a good device? Can we start creating unique um, you know uh, unique uh, signature based on whether it's a good device or not? And we can take a look at the Wi-Fi networks it's connected to, the Bluetooth networks it's connected to, and then uh, create a good signature based on that as well. Now, all the data, I mean, all, all, all the you know, data doesn't have to leave the phone. Only, you know, uh, certain uh, feature sets uh, need, need to be sent from the phone. So everything's kind of kept very private on the, on the device. And we do also have the capability of running entire machine learning algorithms on the device. So it provides uh, very strong privacy capabilities for the end user.
So what are some of the factors that um, you see are better at, at um, predicting that, you know, person A is using a phone versus not? Which ones are weaker? So you mean uh, from a, a user taking a smartphone and using the smartphone and somebody else taking the smartphone and start uh, using it? Yeah, like you said, pitch and, and all that. You know, what about yeah. the apps that oh, were I opened, uh, you know, certain ones that are opened or not, where the phone was used, all that things. Right. From, from a strength perspective, uh, it, it's definitely, for example, the way you swipe your uh, uh, screen on your device or the way you tap buttons on your device or when you go from screen to screen or when you um, type on uh, a certain fields, right? So you're typing patterns and such. So from a very strong perspective, we see anything that can be repeated in a, in a, in a habitual fashion, for example, swiping the screen away. And we have a, you know, we kind of compare that to your tennis swing, right? When you are doing your forehand. Uh, how do you create that unique muscle memory that can be repeated again and again and again, uh, as opposed to somebody else that's closely watching you, how you play, uh, you know, how, how you have your tennis um, forehand, for example, and then trying to replicate it, right? It's very hard for somebody to consistently mm -hmm. replicate what's habitual to you, what's uh, attached to your muscle memory uh, kind of thing, right? So do you think this will replace um, passwords and, you know, current methods of logging in once the system is a profile of you? Absolutely. So, so initially, our entire focus has been to kind of reduce the, uh, the the usage of pins and passwords and such. But eventually, we see a technology like this kind of replacing um, pins and passwords, right? So, uh, by limiting the the amount of times you have to enter it and eventually replacing it, uh, that's where our focus is, and that eventually comes back to. Um, invisible security. That's always been our focus, right? So an example that we give is um, be beating your connected car or beat uh, on your you know, laptop. If your phone's there close to you, um, the way you walk, we can identify you onto your phone and the phone being close to your laptop, we can do a, you know, um, uh, a network intelligence or a network uh, fingerprinting between the phone and the, and the laptop. So we know that some proximity you've already, based on the way you've walked, you've already authenticated to your phone. And based on that, you should be able to log into your laptop, right? So in, in many of those cases, we should be able to get rid of pins and passwords. And only if we suspect, then uh, a, a higher level of authentication is required. And in that case, you don't even have to enter your password. You could um, get a notification on your phone and then interact with the phone. And the way you interact with it, either by swiping or tapping or uh, and such, we can authenticate you, right? So that's the vision that we have is to completely... Uh, get rid of pins and passwords uh, into the future. So any other um, devices besides smartphones and laptops you think this could be used for? Absolutely. And again, this is where our, our, our patent portfolio is kind of nicely factored in, right? So any sensor-based device, that's uh, where we are, our focus is. So be it smartphones, be it uh, wearables, be it connected cars, be it IoT devices, including sensors in your smart home, right? So this is where our focus is going forward is can we authenticate you uh, while you're driving your car. So based on the way you drive your car, but then how do you kind of take it to machine to machine, if you may? That's the way we kind of call it. Is can your phone and car authenticate each other? And the user only needs to get uh, interjected into the process if that authentication fails or if it needs to be stepped up. That's the future we are envisioning, right? So in, in, a, in a home, when there are smartphones, based on the way you kind of walk into your home, the, 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 the home should know who you are, right? So these are the kind of uh, innovations that we are working towards. Yeah, how do you make sure that... Um Again, things don't uh, turn off on you or 
you know, block your access? How does it not become a nuisance? How do you make absolutely, sure that? Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's when when the step of authentication really kicks in, right? As I said, right? So uh, between devices, complete invisible authentication needs to happen. If that fails, that's when step up authentication comes in. And the simple example of that would be then you're getting a notification onto your trusted device, and then you're taking a specific action on your trusted device to, you know, to further authenticate. And if that fails, then you can step it up further um, with, with, uh, with uh, more frictionful authentication mechanisms to make absolute sure that it's you who's accessing the device or, or transaction or appliance. Well, very good. So how can people find out more about the technology and use it for themselves, or is it just for enterprise use? So currently, uh, we are releasing uh, a SDK for mobile applications. So if mobile application developers want to kind of test it out, uh, they can come to our website at uh, www.zigra.com, uh, you know, request uh, a demo, uh, and then we can walk them through using the application and the SDK. They can download our SDK, integrate that into their application, and make it available to the end users. Okay, well, very good. So best way is to go to zigra.com to interact with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, very good, Deepak. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I really appreciate awesome. your time. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for the opportunity again. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.